Episode 32 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles, an interview with a good friend. Hey guys, welcome along to episode 32 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, I'm currently in New York. I'm uh, in an apartment in New York. I've got this cool little, I'm just looking at my apartment right now, and I've got this cool little apartment and it's uh, kind of a lofty apartment with a mezzanine bed floor and uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> just kind of sharing it with you. I've been in America for the last kind of week and a half. I went to Florida to do a uh, big fitness conference over there and I uh, had a fantastic time for all of those people who listened to the show and got to meet me in Florida just thank you for coming up and saying hi and saying that you enjoy the show and, and all my work it really it means a lot and uh, I feel very privileged and lucky that I get to go around the world and do these you know these really special fitness events with people who are you know, the, the events that I do are for instructors out there, so that, you know, they are for the people out there who are on the ground trying to make a difference with fitness, and um, I feel very lucky because I get to see these passionate people doing their thing, so that was really cool. Uh, this month's show is going to be a little bit different uh, than what I normally do. I, because I was in Florida, I was working with one of my best mates in the industry, a lady called Mid Thomas. Now, Mid Thomas, to me, is... Um, probably one of the most powerful people in my industry, at least within the group fitness world, uh, in the way she connects with people. She has this amazing ability to make people believe in themselves. It's, we, we talk about it as we get into the interview, but she has this ability, you know, she's almost like, I always think to myself in my life, the people who I love being around the most are the ones, when I walk away from a conversation with them, I feel I can be better in this world. You know, and I don't think, you know, I know within my own life, I haven't been touched by that many people in that way. But there are those people out there who, you know, on my own hand, I could probably think of five to ten people who, in, in my experience of this life, that when I've spent time with them, I just walk away going, wow, I, I can be a better version of myself. And, and these people have this massive impact on me in that way. And I suppose deep down within myself, I would like to be that person to other people as well, and, and maybe I am, maybe I aren't, but Mid Thomas definitely is, and you see her and the impact she has on the people in this industry, and um, you can see why she's such an important role model for many of those out there, and I knew I was going to be working with Mid in Florida this month, so I kind of, I, so we, we, I think we worked together in KL, Kuala Lumpur a few months ago, and I said to her at the time, I'm going to get you on my show at some stage this year, and kind of worked out well that we were over in Florida so I kind of you know emailed and said let's get on the show and we basically did a pretty big day's work um, the day we did the interview and this is very much late and it was like seven o'clock at night and so the interview is very casual we just sit down and it's kind of just a conversation between two mates and and I kind of dig in and, and kind of see where mid is at so 
We're going to get straight into it. There's no, there's no real fluffing around this month. We're going to get straight into it. Here's my interview of Mid, and uh, hopefully there's some good insight. You know, with a couple of people who have spent most of their adult lives in the fitness industry. Check it out. Here we go. Right, guys. Uh, it's kind of a bit of an honour today, to be honest. You know, with the show, I don't normally get guests on the show. I normally just kind of rock on and do my own thing. And occasionally, I've had some guests who have been real experts in their field. And in some ways, this person I'm talking to now is an expert in a different kind of way. <laughs> and, and it's quite funny because um, if you listen to one of the most influential shows I ever did was the one around the new exerciser. And if you may recall that show, I talked about my friend Mid and uh, Mid Thomas's is um, the person who really influenced that show and uh, and kind of influenced my thinking in lots of many ways. And I've been very lucky over the years to have lots of people in the industry who've kind of been, you know, really powerful influences on me and, um, you know, and done really good work and uh, remind me what it's all about in this industry. And the lady sitting across from me right now is my good friend, Mid Thomas. Hello, Mid. Hello, Bevan. And uh, we're in her hotel room. We're currently in Florida. We and, are. And we've just done a big day's work. And uh, yeah. and it's uh, it's all good. So basically, why, why do I get Mid on the show? And um, I suppose the, the questions I'm going to start with today, Mid, is... Mid is... I suppose I'll tell you tell the audience a little yeah, bit about itself. Yeah. Mid, Mid is... The kind of person who, when you spend time with her, you just feel life is better. And I know she'll feel weird, weird me saying all this stuff right in front of her right now, but she really is. And when it's really interesting when you come to these big – we're in Florida doing this big fitness conference right now, and it's been a really amazing event, and the Americans have been great to us and all the rest of it. And you watch the way people deal with mid and the power – you know, the really empowering effect she has on these people to make them want to be the best version of themselves. It's, it's, it's like it's – so special and it's you know in our industry there's so many things that I kind of struggle with with selling of image and that and then you see people like Mid who are all about helping people discover themselves through things like exercise and so I wanted to get on a show today, on today's show just to really kind of kind of get inside your head and just see kind of what drives you and what yeah. we where you come from and what what drives your thinking behind fitness and you know just to kind of share with the audience you know your thoughts so I suppose maybe the question is maybe give us a little bit of a background on what got you started in, in fitness and, yeah. uh, you know, and what, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's quite, it's really interesting because for me, Bevy, you, as you know, you're the guy that I've always looked to as well and I think it's pretty amazing, which is why a whole heap of people are out there listening to you. Um, I, why did I get into fitness? I've always been in love with fitness. You know, I was one of those kids that just naturally um, could do sport and, you know, I, I didn't come from a background um, of opportunity or wealth. I came from quite a tough upbringing and <clears throat> part of that upbringing um, meant that for me exercise and fitness and sport at the time was a massive escape for me. So mm. it just became the place where I felt I felt at home. You know, when I was playing a game of netball, when I was playing basketball, when I was running, when I was sprinting, jumping, it didn't matter what I was doing physically. Um, <clears throat> if I was physically active, I was at home. Mm. So my body is always been something I've loved to use to to do stuff you know I remember for a period of time I lived on the Chatham Islands and I remember just loving jumping from rock to rock you know <laughs> and I wanted to see how far I could jump and how high I could jump without losing my balance and pretty much falling off the cliff into the sea um, <laughs> as a sort of 12 to 13 year old girl you don't think of those consequences and and back in those days it was about being out and doing that sort of stuff so I guess when you talk about getting into the fitness industry mm. um 
the industry was part of me, I guess, for a long time. When we talk about Les Mills itself, which is the industry and the body that made me fall in love with fitness, um, they kind of found me, you know, uh, and I kind of found them at the same time. I was... 16 or 15 16 something like that and I there was they were auditioning um, instructors for a local gym in, in Rangiora called Body Deal and a woman by the name of Stephanie Eagleton who I always talk about mm-hmm. and she is definitely to this day the woman that completely re reshaped my life you know um she took this little this kid really and said okay well you couldn't audition her words were you can audition but it's unlikely we'll take you on because we don't normally take instructors as young as you and um and I always had an ad I I just never had a you can't do stuff attitude I just Mm. always had an attitude that was okay well I can give it a shot you know and I, and I never thought that I wouldn't I really did believe that I physically could do anything I'd never <clears throat> been to a group fitness class in my life yeah <laughs> so nice so that's a true story <laughs> I had no idea what to expect um, I looked I, I had a preconceived idea of what group fitness looked like at the time so we're going back about we're going back about 23 years which was the land of the g-string yeah <laughs> <laughs> And, um, Just for the record, I missed that land. <laughs> and the funny thing about the land of the G-string is my preconceived idea of group fitness was worse than that. Oh, okay. I was in the land of 1962. So yeah. I went through my um, sisters, who at that stage was six years younger than me, who fancy dressed to try and find some aerobics gear. <laughs> I found an old one-piece um, ballet outfit, which I put some time. Did you wear it? <laughs> yeah. Put some tights underneath it, and some of those, some of those, um, you know, push all well, those cushion, those socks, the yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are like leg, leg warmers, warmers yeah. yeah. Um, and I rocked on down <laughs> to this audition for group fitness. Thought, how hard can it be? <laughs> and um, I was literally about, you know, I, I'm going to exaggerate because I'm on the microphone. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, I was about sort of anywhere between. Um, 10 to 15 kgs heavier than what I was today so I wasn't I wasn't a fat kid I was just simply um, super sporty and loved my food which meant I was a solid girl you know I was the solid kid rocked on up and yep I was in the land of g-strings so there was me and about 10 other girls Um, they all looked beautiful I looked (laughs) well let's just say I'm not quite sure what I look like (laughs) Um, but for some reason, look, I stood in front of those women and I just, they said, show us a Superman and they did some grapevines and some other stuff and I went, yeah, get in front of them. And um, I did some stuff. Uh, Maureen Baker and um, some of you guys may have known her sister and her name was... Um, Philippa Yes, Philippa. Yeah. 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 Both of them are yeah. elite athletes. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, Maureen is also in her own right an elite athlete and Maureen... Um, through her life into dance and ultimately group fitness, she now leads the world as our education provider for Les Mills. And Maureen was the one that probably spotted me and said, um, look at that talent, let's see what we can do with it. And mm. I had, unbeknown to me really, um, what she thought of me, they just gave me an opportunity to learn how to teach this thing called group fitness. Um, so it started off as a part-time gig and I thought it would be really cool. You know, I figured... When I went to university, I'd have a couple of years at high school to learn the craft. Yep. So by the time I left high school, I left with, um, you know, ambition to go to university and a job, 
you know, mm. that it, and something that I was really passionate about. I mean, fitness, I loved it. I loved mm. sport. Um, I was always a rep netball player and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, so that's how I got into it. Well, one thing that really fascinates me with you is, is, is your, your, your seeming ability to, um, I don't even know if it's ability, but you're just the way you look at people and it's almost like you look at everybody as an opportunity to help them grow. Yeah. And and, and I'm kind of, I'd like to kind of dig into this because it's, it's, um, a, I think it's pretty unique, but B, just you seem to like you seem to empower the people to actually do the growth. Yeah. And so, can maybe tell, tell me, you know, how do you look at other people, and and you know, what do you see as your role within that? Um, that's a really good question, Bibi. I, <clears throat> I guess when I when I meet people, when I'm put in a position to influence yeah. um, and be responsible for them in some way shape or form whether it be me standing in front of 600 people teaching a squat track or like today spending eight nine hours with seven women mm-hmm. um it doesn't matter what environment i'm in for whatever reason and i do be- and i say god you know mm-hmm. I, I believe in a higher power has put me in this position for a reason mm-hmm. so i always have looked at life as i'm either i've always looked at life as you're either the teacher or the learner mm-hmm. <clears throat> and i've been really lucky in my life to have some amazing teachers so I've always felt that as part of my responsibility is to give back and in order for me to teach another human being I need to first drop all the expectations of judgment so I don't judge people I just look and see what's possible and I think that's probably the single biggest strength that I have I never see their faults or their failings first I see their potential first um, to the point that I'm often blinded you know uh, uh, it could potentially put me (laughs) in some risky situations (laughs) if I was you're almost too trusting yeah Yeah. well and it's it's uh, it's just a, a desire to not see yeah not see that stuff then what I do so so there is that there's a level of naivety there. Yeah. But what I, I guess I've done if I to really think about it is I've taken my the naivety of my childlike spirit, mm. which is to see good in the world yeah. and see good in another person. And then I've adapted my experiences and the skills that I've been given over the last twenty years. Yeah. Um, and then my knowledge and my intelligence to then look at what's preventing them from fulfilling their potential. Okay, so you kind of look at it and you go, I've got an opportunity here, and you see them, you almost see the the outcome of what they can possibly be, and then then you kind of intellectualise it a little bit more, and and what's the barrier holding them back, and then what do I need to do to support them through this? Yeah. So, so, Liam, what what do you, when you look back on, you know, because there's, like, like a lot of people don't even know you made like it, you know, I know there'll be a few Les Mills listeners, but you know, like most of my audience aren't Les Mills. And um, one thing, you know, Mid is one of those people who just, just touches people's lives in a way that makes them change. And so I'm curious to see what do you think it is that you do that helps them, you know, so you, okay, you look at someone, you go, I see their growth, yeah. but what what is actually that you do that then helps them go through? Um, that's a, <clears throat> I, the first thing I do is if I see Potential. Uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say if I see potential. Because no, you, you seem to open up that door to everybody. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah it's, not, it's not just, hey, here's no. someone who's, who's above that I need to help. It's, yeah. it's like you have this amazing ability to, um, it's, it's, yeah, like it's almost like everyone you touch, you seem to yeah. show them another level. Yeah. yeah. I guess <clears throat> I believe every human being was born with an ability. Mm. So uh, if I have an opportunity to help them explore that or even just to acknowledge it, then I've done my part in their life. Mm. Otherwise, what what 
I believe I've done, if I walk past it, then I'm not doing the right thing by that person. Okay. So the first thing is, I guess, I um, yeah, I do see their potential and I do see their outcome. And then I do take the clinical approach to helping them um, f- discover it. Mm. And I guess my... I guess it's it's quite a hard thing to explain because it's probably taken me all my life to figure out how I even do it. Mm. Um, And I suppose I'd have to look a little deeper into my own own well-being but I've spent a lifetime trying to figure out myself mm, you know and yeah. often in our world we're so full-on and everything's going on and it's crazy and we're trying to figure out the best way forward <clears throat> um, I've found that I've grown the most through helping others so I just have a complete give philosophy and then what I do is I have I, I have like tests I have markers so I I never push too hard on a person yeah I never I never um you're not someone who puts crazy expectations on someone? No. I, I'll put crazy expectations on a group of people if yeah. I think it's possible. And if it's the right person, <clears> you know, yeah. if that's what they need. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm really gracious with their development because I know how tough it is. Mm. So what I do, in my opinion, it's an invitation. So I will invite people to grow. Um, so I'll see something. So I see it and I, I'll acknowledge that area. And then I say, hey, listen, if you if you want to look into that, I can. Mm. And it's okay if you don't because you don't have to either. So I never make growth an expectation. Mm. Then what I do over and above that, and this is the absolute key to it, is I uphold greatness in my own skill. So if I'm doing something, I, I do it to the best of my ability, but I make people understand that I'm only doing it to the best of my ability because I want them to see what they're capable of doing Mm. and then I remind them that I was just a little girl from Porirua that I had all the same tough stuff that other people have been through and that it's only been through tenacity and a whole heap of other people that believed in me and the final thing that I always do if I'm giving people some growth is I always make it their choice but then the final thing is if they've taken me up on the offer to grow I finish with I believe you can do this. And as soon as you, <clears throat> that's the empowering part because if you believe, then all of a sudden it's possible. Mm. And a, a situation, <clears throat> a really good situation, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> too much <laughs> too much talking today. Yeah, <laughs> when you talk for a living. Yeah, totally. Listen to sound of me, yeah. <laughs> um, And so a really good example is I was on an aeroplane and I was coming. I was actually coming here. Yeah. And there was a little girl. She would have been about eight years old, and she absolutely was having a wee panic attack, and it was about to burst into something, into something more than that mm-hmm. because she wanted to sit next to her dad. But her dad was at the back of the plane, and they couldn't let her go down there because they were waiting for all the passengers okay. to board. And I could see this little girl getting really, really worked up. And um, so I thought, you know. <sighs> I'm here by myself, I don't need this seat. And so I said, hey, listen, do you want me to swap with the father? And the mother goes, oh, no, no, you don't have to. And then the daughter said, no, no, I don't want to go to the back because I won't be safe. So as soon as she said that, that's the other thing I do is I look for the triggers and what's going on for them. Yeah. So the real problem was not just that she wanted to sit by dad, but she felt unsafe at the front of the plane. Mm. So she wanted her dad and she wanted to feel safe. Now, if your mum or dad says that to you, what do you you go? You're whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if a complete stranger out of nowhere just turns around with complete conviction and says to a child and actually believes that the child will be safe. Yeah. And I said, hey, listen, did you know 
that you're actually going to be more safe up the front than at the back. Mm. And she went, really? And the mother went, oh, no, no, it's okay. And I went, yeah, really? And she goes, oh, oh, well, that's okay. Mm. And so all of a sudden, and and then – so it's it's a matter of understanding what that person what that what that what the fear is around the growth, acknowledging that fear is a real thing in a person's life, and then giving them a solution, a possible solution, mm-hmm. without arrogance. Because the other thing is, and I even said this just today, you know, I had eight, eight hours with these ladies, and um, <clears throat> I, I said to them, "You guys have all gone through a whole heap of stuff, and I would be arrogant to even begin to understand what you've been through." Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the challenges we have in today's world is we judge so quickly. You know, mm. we judge ourselves first mm. and foremost, and we've learned to judge ourselves by the judgments we put on ourselves and on others. But then when we're in a learning environment, we start to judge the learning outcomes in terms of what the learning is for them. And you just never know what their learning will be mm. or what they were meant to get out of you. What you have the responsibility to do is to say what's in your heart, believe it, mean it, and give it with love, you know. Mm. And love is probably the ultimate thing, which sounds airy fairy, but I genuinely, I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, I care about humanity. You know, I care about our society, <clears throat> and um, and I'm really concerned about our society and where we're going. And I know health and fitness has a huge role to play in helping future generations. Um, you know, you, we, when you look at what you do, Bever, you're an absolute elite athlete, and the people that are listening to the show, in all fairness, guys, you're probably elite athletes as well. Mm. Oh, no, this show, not so much, but yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so there's um, there's a whole heap of that, but the majority of people out there are really struggling to yeah. be physically active, yeah. and technology being the way it is, society being the way it is, um, the fitness industry is going to have a massive role to play and I guess I just really want to um, I've I've been put in this life for a reason and I believe that my reason is I, I was able to jump around and do some stuff physically God gave me a pretty great mouth and he gave me a heart that cares <laughs> so I've got a responsibility to use it um, yeah so, so when um, what do you believe you know, like we we all have these philosophies that we kind of stand on top of, don't we? And you know, yeah. there's kind of these thinkings that we have, and it's kind of we've talked a little bit about how you approach helping others, you know, yeah. and you've got these kind of these kind of I don't know foundations that really yeah. seem to work for you, you know. When it comes to what do you believe makes people successful in exercise, you know, like, and we're not, you know, just you know, at all levels, you know, we've got yeah. the. You know, we have got you know, I have got elite people, but actually, this show here is actually probably more to the to the newer slash middle yeah. range exercises. But yeah. you know, from experience, you know, you've been in the industry for a long time, yeah. and you've helped a lot of people achieve some massive growth from wide ends of the spectrum. What's the insight that you have when it comes to what makes people successful? Um, okay, so my thoughts and based on my experiences and what I've seen, um, there's, there's, there's definitely, there's a lot of things. The number one thing is you've got to get in, you've got to get hooked emotionally. Mm. The key is finding an emotional, an emotional connection. Mm. Um, because fitness, for those people that have managed to maintain fitness in their life, you'll hear the fact that they love something about fitness. Mm. They love something about activity, actually. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean fitness. Yeah. So I don't, may not want to run a marathon, yeah. but I definitely want to jump up and down to some music yeah. and have a wicked time doing it, mm. you know? So um, I believe it's an emotional attachment that you make to something. So if you are a first-time exerciser, 
it, there's going to be some challenges. You know, mm-hmm. we all know that. So there's the standard challenge. One, it hurts. One, it's hard to find time. Two, there's a whole heap of self-doubt stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So there's all the stuff that yeah. we know, okay? Yeah. Um, what we've never, what I think Les Mills has definitely done and just the, but it's such an intangible that you can't, yeah, you can't it. research it. I yeah. can't give you statistics on. I can't give you the percentage of emotional connection you'll need to maintain <laughs> an active daily fitness regime. Yeah. You know, but what I can tell you is that most people that get involved in any kind of activity need to fall in love with it. Mm. You need to fall in love with it. It's the mm. single reason why we do everything in our life. We are creatures that are driven um, <clears throat> towards pleasure and away from pain, and we always have been. Mm. So we need to find a way to fall in love with being actively involved. And that doesn't necessarily mean you know going to the gym, going to, um, going to do a, a 5K run, but the responsibility of a first-time user, and here's where I'm going to use the word responsibility, is to at least give everything a shot. Because mm. your biggest barrier is your lack of Trying. awareness. Yeah. Yep. And as soon, and, and this is what I hear so often. I hear this more often than anything. Oh, I wish I tried that when I was younger. Mm. You know, every single person that has... You know, I find it with, like, with music because I've, I've picked up music late. Yeah. And you get, you get so many people, and I know it's a different kind of subject, but... You get people go, oh, I wish I'd play music. And yeah. I go, you're 40, you've got 60 years of your life in front of you. Yeah. Why is yeah. it too late now? <coughs> exactly. You know, like a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, continue. Yeah, no, you're, you're so right. So, And that's the thing. So I would say the first, <coughs> the first biggest barrier is believing that one option is going to be the same as every option. Mm. You know, the fitness industry today is like a department store. You mm. have everything from um, – not moving and having some machine vibrate you, (laughs) you know, literally, um, all the way through to being a top sports athlete in in Les Mills as a as a body attack instructor or you know now CrossFit is really really popular and you're seeing lots of those things on on TV right now Mm. um through to being an Olympian you Mm. know the 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 epitome of what we consider athleticism Mm. to look like Mm. um I said this weekend that athlete that being an athlete or athletic potential is a God-given right, and it actually is. We have a body, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, our body wants us to be. Our fit. body does. Yeah. Our body wants yeah. us to move. It, it, it performs when we yeah. yeah yeah. And you know the thing about that. This is where I, I guess. Um, oh, you're a fitness freak. Oh, you know, you, I hate gyms. Or yeah. I don't like this because I don't like that. The reality is, your body is designed to move, and and the day you fall in love with moving, no matter what that movement looks yeah. like, whether yeah. it be you know. And, and I'm a, I'm Les Mills through and through, man. Like my blood bleeds Les Mills. Um. <laughs> seriously, man. It's so good. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear how proud I am of that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah like, like I feel like I, I've this is this is my this is my bloodline. This is my family. Uh, but there's no way that I would ever disrespect any of the other fitness products mm. that are out there in the world because they make such a you know they equally do some great things. Yeah. yeah. And, and if not more so in some in some yeah. in some cases. Mm. So, you know, it's not about. Um, it's not about having to do what everyone else is doing. It's about having to do what's right for you. Yeah, you know, yeah. you wouldn't wake up in the morning. And he, and listen, I believe that fitness is like food. 
we're meant to have it every day, um, some way, shape, or form. It's not being, it's not doing five hours every day. It's doing something, yeah. you know. And it doesn't have to be exercise in our traditional form of thought either. Yeah. Yeah. It could be just getting up and going for a walk on a Sunday. Movement. It's yeah. movement, yeah. okay. So, yeah. so there's a couple of things that we need. Food is like movement, and you know the question that I'd ask most people is, would you wake up and not have food for two or three days? Mm. You know, would you would you plan your food for the next twelve weeks? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or, you know, and the answer to that is you probably would for those that have been doing bodybuilding competitions. But how hard is it is it to stay on that? Mm. Yet we do that with our exercise regime. You're on a twelve week challenge. You're on a six week yeah. this. You're on a, yeah. you know, we've got this really massive pre kind of rigid yeah. yeah. And exercise has fallen into this really. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Yet I don't even think about getting up and brushing my teeth in the morning. Yeah. You know, so I believe that movement slash exercise slash um, that stuff should be as easy as jumping up and brushing your teeth. Mm. That's the mindset that I believe our, mm. our, I believe humanity needs to get to that place. And the third trimester around that is also the spirituality. So, you know, you've got your health in terms of your um, body, you've got your intellectual health in terms of your mind and your spirit. And those are the three, the three things that as a human being we try to find balance in, mm. you know. And mm. I, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm not the person to give you the answer on that one. <laughs> Well, we're all searching for that, aren't we? Any other insight on what makes people successful for exercise? So you're saying, you know, that for the newer exerciser, your responsibility is to at least open a door to trying. Yeah. Yeah, and so anything else? Um, And when you try, you know, just try a little bit. Yeah. Just try a little bit and try to – and just give things a shot. Yeah. Be prepared because, um, you know, and there's a whole heap of other stuff that you could do. There's a whole heap of motivational tips techniques um you come into it depending on the club that you're at will offer a whole variety of different fitness products which honestly to a first time user is overwhelming yeah a lot of time there yeah you know you walk into a gym and you've got um les mills you've got body pump body attack body grit you've got body balance you've got you know zumba over here you've got crossfit you know and that i'm i'm just thinking off the top of my head um let alone if we've got the american audience here you know you've got products like p90x that have just and and home, I mean, I think every time I watch TV, there's another mm, home, home product, product yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like the never-ending home product. Yeah. Um, the question that I ask the consumer is how many of those home products are sitting under your bed right yeah. now and yeah. you've used maybe once if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, what What's going wrong there? And I believe, again, it goes back to having an emotional experience that you're connected with, that you wake up and it's not hard. Mm. I love I love yeah, yeah. stuff. And we know exercise and we know how to make that work, don't we? Yeah. I suppose this was the question I do have for you, which I know is a, is a subject that's really dear to your heart, is um, kids' fitness. Yeah. Um, you know, like, <clears throat> you know, like if we look at the, the trajectory of the, you know, where the world's gone in the very short period of time around health and well-being. And, yeah. And, you know, and you see kids now and, and it's unhealthy. You know, you yeah. see kids who are, you know, obese kids. Yeah. You know, and, and you see a lot of it, yeah. you know, and um, – and, and the thing that really fascinates me around the subject is that a lot of these kids will grow up never experiencing any exercise. I know. You know, like, you know, yeah. like our generation, there'll be the kid who didn't like sport, but they would have tried it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so they have some experience of movement. Mm. Whereas a lot of these kids nowadays are, are obese at, at a very young age, yeah. which is just sad. Like, it's sad. Yeah. And then, but then the other side is they, they don't even know movement. No. You know, and so we talk about, well, when you're going into exercise, it's going to hurt and all the rest of it. Well, if you're a kid who's never even known what it's like to move, when you become an adult, 
and yeah, it's going to be necessary because otherwise you, you're leading down a pretty horrible path. Yeah. You know, so, so I'm, like, I know this is a subject, you know, if you, you it's near and dear to your heart. Yeah. So maybe just want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I am really passionate about this, um, and probably for the for the people out there, um, just so you know, my my heritage. I'm Maori, and um, I have a Pacific Island partner, and uh, we, you know, we we're seeing this in our families right now. Um, <clears throat> we're seeing nieces and nephews that um, that are suffering, and they're suffering, you know, yeah. really badly, and it actually just breaks my heart because yeah. I know how. Um, I know how it can be resolved and it's one of those things it's like it's like watching the atomic bomb go off and knowing you had the power to stop it mm. that's the feeling that I personally have when we talk about kids and mm. kids fitness mm. and I think every fitness and I actually implore um every fitness expert professional slash I do fitness to take responsibility here because if we just get one or two kids moving we will make a big difference mm. you know and it doesn't mean that they have to <clears throat> again like I said it's got um it's got nothing to do with um what they do it's just that they do yeah. something so where does it come from um I think one of the things that I probably haven't mentioned is I really, I'm, I'm quite an empathetic soul. And so I really feel, and there's been some research around this, and how true it is. I I don't know because I'm not a scientist. I'm yeah. not definitely. I'm not. I'm not in the academic world. Please do not go on my Facebook <laughs> and say that I don't know what I'm talking about. Because I'm happy to say I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there is this thing called apparently mirror neurons. They found it in Italy, and they did some research around it. And it basically means that. Um, that there is this empathetic gene. Yeah. There is this thing that yep. connects us as human yeah, beings. It means, it, it means that if mid going through an experience, I can put myself in her shoes yeah. and experience what it's like to be in her shoes. Just by seeing it. Yeah. 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 And I think, or even just imagining it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I think we all know that this is a, real, a reality. And I, and I guess for me, um, you know, biology is biology and everyone's got some sort of form of genetic makeup yeah. and we've all got some stuff that we've got more of and I just think I have a whole heap of <laughs> empathy yeah. um, beyond measure. So when I see hurt and stuff, it really upsets me. Like, you know, and Bevan will vouch for the fact that I'm the biggest crier that ever walked to the she, earth. She's pretty good at crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, I really, I, I allow myself to be vulnerable. So yeah. I, I really do put myself in an emotionally vulnerable state when I'm around people. Mm. Most people hide their emotions. Most people guard their feelings because of, out of fear of being hurt. Yeah. I, um, I, I actively choose to be emotional. Yeah. yeah, and I actively do that with most people, and I don't encourage you to. <laughs> it's a tough world. <laughs> um, so yeah, just it's only probably it's been in the last sort of ten to fifteen years. I actually the reason why it happened was I, I went to I went into a post grad. Um, diploma at a business school where I where I live and I, I we had to do a research paper and I did it on kids and fitness and um it horrified me you know I realized for the first time it was like I was 27 so it's a good it's 10 years ago that I did yeah. this and <clears throat> I realized for the first time just what a horrific state our, our our society's heading and it's a little like you know it's a little like um our environment and how we're we're absolutely destroying most resources on this planet. Um, it's just easier to not not acknowledge it. It's yeah. easier to not know. Too big, too big to. It seems too big. Yeah. yeah, and I think 
the kids health and fitness thing is another one I, I think parents and I and I'm one of those parents you know I'm not speaking I'm not speaking as a judgment please don't think that at all because I sit there with my children going what am I going to do to get them off their iPad you yeah. know what am I going to get do to get them moving I mean I remember trying to get my kids to do triathlons they didn't talk to me for two days <laughs> literally <laughs> like it was like cold war in my house <laughs> um and <laughs> We've never forced fitness on our kids, um, but I see my <clears throat> girls struggling with their weight at 12, yep. and that's just because the food we eat's a little less quality than what it was a yep. little while ago. You know, we have a lot of processed stuff. It's really easy to get, and it's probably affordable, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, and my girls aren't exposed to heaps of that, but, you know, they've still got some of it, and yeah, yeah so it's a... It's a it's something that touches my heart. I always say to people, my biggest fear, and, and look, I'm sure a thousand and one scientists out there right now are going, oh, she's full of lots of stuff. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, my biggest concern, and, and, I, and I think I have a right as a parent to think this, my biggest concern is that my children's children are going to be born with health-related diseases. You know, mm. we are effectively not giving our bodies what it needs. Eventually our bodies are going to turn on us and turn back like everything does. Nature's being, mm. nature's that way, you know. Mm. We don't need to be scientists to understand that stuff. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I do what I do for my future family and for the family of others. And I know that sounds really selfless and oh, martyr, martyr-like. Um, it's not because, <laughs> and I'm going to say it's not, because what I get out of it is I get a sense of well-being, you know. I get a sense of purpose and um, yeah. and that's that's something that human beings long for. What would be, you know, for the listeners out there, because, you know, I think that the child thing is a really interesting thing and I think there's, <clears throat> there's, there's, there are many factors that create it. We've got, you know, the, the food we live, you know, the, the the lack of activity and stuff like that. And, and I also think time poor parents is, yeah. a, is, a, is a really massive issue yeah. um, you know we live all in a, in a very time poor period of you know the lives we've created nowadays we, we mm-hmm. tend to neglect time you know time goes first and then things can't get compromised and um, so I suppose what do um, what would be some advice you'd give to those listening who have kids in their life I'd probably give none <laughs> Oh, that's great, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, look, honestly, I'll be the reason why I say I don't, and again, I, this is me being completely and utterly um, honest. You know, I struggle in my own life with mm. my own children yeah. um, <clears throat> to sit here and sort of offer advice around what you should or shouldn't do would for me be a, a be hypocrisy but here's what I do know um, what I do know is that your children will be a reflection of you. So that's one thing I do know. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the question you have to ask yourself is what kind of reflection is that? Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I look at my kids now and whilst they are not actively involved in fitness, they're writing essays about fitness because all they know is fitness, mm-hmm. you know, because it's what I live and yeah, breathe. Yeah. Um, you know, I talk about stuff. Some of their friends, they came home one time and they said, oh, mum, one of the girls isn't eating. And I said, well, you know what happens there? Yeah, she'll get fat if she doesn't eat, you know, because <laughs> um, I've explained to them their metabolism will slow down if they don't keep fueling the fire. Um, so <clears throat> I guess as a parent, I want you, I, I, if I was going to offer any advice, the advice I would offer is – if fitness was their education, how would you deal with it? Mm-hmm. You know, for the responsible parent out there, they would take make some considered choices. 
mm. you know, and um, and they would go around and probably actively look for some stuff. And at the same time, they'll probably try and give them the stuff that they didn't get because we all do that as parents. We always yeah. want our kids to yeah. have more than what life. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so if we took that approach to their health and well-being, what would that look like in their lives? Mm. And um, and but I do uh, from a real deep level. It still screams that. Um, fitness is something that you have to um, you have to role model that you know my mother smokes my mother is really unhealthy and um, when when you're in that side of things it's and you've got a parent like that it's easy to get into that stuff mm. because it's accepted behavior yeah you know so the less acceptable it is to smoke the less likely you are to yeah. smoke yeah, and so I guess sedentary lifestyle is the same thing if it's acceptable to be sedentary and you're sitting there, um, you know, overweight, feeling bad about yourself, not exercising, <laughs> eating poorly, and then saying to your kid, hey, you need to go and do some exercise. Yeah. What does that really say? Mm. You know, you can sit there and be overweight and unfit and trying to exercise and give that opinion mm. because all of a sudden you're trying to make a difference. Mm. And that's a whole different, that's a whole different conversation with, mm. your, with your kid. Um, over and above that, you know, <clears throat> I, I do believe it's going to take a, it's going to take something quite huge to to shift the pendulum, and I think we have a chance to shift it if we strike now. If we wait for another twenty, thirty years, and we don't do anything massive, you know, I think we have some real massive issues mm. heading our way in terms mm. of our future generations. And I would, I would, it would sadden me to think what that might look like for our, for our people. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible when you and, you know when you imagine you know you hear about kids getting you know major health problems yeah. you know in their late now, teens now yeah. you know and you kind of and it's just I mean diabetes in children and and, and that's yeah. just health like what about the esteem factor yeah I know you know and, and you, you know these kids who yeah and 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 I think that's the other thing is that you know like you guys know me enough to know that um, you know I really understand I really believe that fitness is one of the greatest things in life to build esteem you know like that. For myself, there was definitely a lean light. For, it took me from you know my bad place to my good place, yeah. and and I've tried to build a world around giving that to other yeah. people, and you know, and and so if kids are missing out on that, yeah, you know, and and you know, depression rates and all the you know all that kind of crap that goes around it, but you know, exercise is just so great for yeah. everyone. Like we, you know, it's like I know when you first do it, it's hard and all the rest of it, but once you've got that habit and you and you know exercise, yeah. It's, you know, and you know, like I know if my runners and that, and you see the transformation in the self. It's just so empowering, and and it's like our kids aren't having that experience. No, and, and I think you know, on that bevy, you'll never hear anybody who's been exercising regularly for a short period of time go, "Oh, I feel worse than what I was when yeah. I started." You know, yeah. everyone says they feel better. If nothing else, if you you may not lose the weight or look the perfect. Yeah. You know, you may not wake up and. and to be honest, a lot of people don't. No, you know, they don't no. lose the, you know, they don't get because you know, the. the that's a lie we often get sold. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's you know like the perfect image is it's pretty unrealistic for no no yeah yeah, yeah. Like, you know sure yeah. some people get there but it really shouldn't even be the goal. No, you know the goal should be health. And yeah. I think um and I and look with our kids I, I <clears throat> yeah I unfortunately my my energy at the moment and um, my time is spent helping adults and yeah. so I guess whenever I think of um, when my time's been sent, then I go, okay, as an influencer or somebody who I believe has the power to influence others, the, the question I just ask you to ask the question, you know, mm. um, I ask the question, 
and look at your child and say, where will this child be in 20 years from now? Mm. You know, just ask that question. Mm. And if you ask that question, I think, and be prepared to hear the answer, I think you do some stuff differently. Yeah. I mean, I know, if, you know, even for myself and Shivers, I've, I've so, I've so um, not got stuff right with my kids. You know, the first yeah, thing. You know what, I think most parents feel that way. Absolutely. You know, like I look at my parenting and, um, <clears throat> you know, and you, because you, you, you do the best based on what you know yeah. right now, don't you? Yeah. You know, and, and, but you look back and like I was a young man and, and I kind of, and, and I was ambitious and I was kind of neglected yeah. a little bit of parenting that I probably yeah. should have done. And, yeah. and I was a little bit didn't know, you know, because yeah. I was a young man bring up as a solo dad or yeah. part time parent. And uh, and you look back and and you see some of your mistakes in your child, yeah. and it's, it is hard to confront. Is. And and parenting isn't easy, and no. uh, you know. But you, you, but then at least if you're willing to do that, at least you can try work from this moment forward. Well, the thing about it is, if you at least if you acknowledge that stuff, you can move forward. Yeah. And so, like I. I never run away from the stuff that I've done wrong. In fact, I really try hard to embrace them. And as you know, Bibi, I'll be the first one to say, yep, that was me and I did that, you know, and I – and I and that actually gives me the freedom that frees me in my life. Um, yeah. It's when you hide from stuff that you feel you've done wrong and you feel guilt around it. That's mm. what actually that's what can, keeps you there. That's what yeah. locks you in prison. You yeah. know, we imprison ourselves in this in this case sometimes. So yeah, look, I, I um, I'm praying that some great organisation will come out with an amazing product that mm. um, will help our. Um, you know, I, I think Les Mills has got something coming through yeah. which I'm pretty excited about yeah. um, I can't go into too much details but I think it will be a really good platform to at least start that mm. that that era I know a lot of there are a lot of things out there and please um, please audience know that I do know that there are lots and lots of people trying people and trying yeah. and I, you know please <clears throat> I think and we all are you know we yeah. all are but I guess the question is uh, what could what else could we do you know, is anybody knocking on the door of the child that's four and a half, five, and is weighing the same weight as a sixteen-year-old? Is yeah. anyone knocking on that door and saying, "Hey, listen, can I help? Yeah, can yeah. I help? You yeah. know, because we reach out and we've reached out to the children that are starving in Africa for years, and we've got money that's being sent to those to yeah. those communities. Um, you know, and 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 it, it almost seems like an it, it seems like an absolute abhorred thing mm. that we've got these two parallel universes one is starvation starvation and the other one it's is it, yeah. yeah and yet it's it's always the children yeah. you know it's always the children that are that are left in this position mm. um so yeah so I'm, i am really passionate about it um where that passion goes uh, will be definitely where I can support and help those around me. Just, just lastly, I suppose, because we, we, we've got to go out and have party hard. So, <laughs> <laughs> Matt and I kind of think about piking, but we might be going to party. <laughs> but I suppose the, the last question I have is, what would be the insight you'd share to the fitness professional? Oh, what would be the insight that I share to the fitness professional? You know, because I know we've got lots of listeners who are working in the industry, and um, and, and I do think Mids, her... Not your biggest power, but you know, you're just your ability to help people in the industry understand what you know. Because we live in an industry that can be you can be manipulated or not manipulated, but influenced by the wrong things very easily. Yeah, and it's a very tough. My fitness industry is a very tough industry because it's it's poorly paid. Um, yeah, you know, it it, 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 people will choose it for passion, but they often struggle with the rest of life because they chose their passion. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, so sometimes that can make you lead towards decisions that are about making profit more than 
And it's not about profit, just surviving. Yeah, you know, surviving, you know, yep, and, absolutely. Um, or promoting things that aren't necessarily the right things. And, yep. and always, that's why I love Mid, and I, I, you know, she always reminds me, and, and I've probably got a pretty good gauge on this anyway, but it's every time I spend time with her, it always, I always leave the, that time just reminding myself of what, what it's really all about. And I, I always see it as your biggest strength. And so mm-hmm. what would be, what would you share in that way, you know, for the fitness person mm-hmm. out there? You know what? It's really funny. Um, firstly, you ask really hard questions. <laughs> He's like, do this little podcast for me. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> um, you know what? The thing that's screaming in my head right now. Is it? it be real. Mm. You know, like... Um, we use the saying, keep it real, and I'm actually going to go back to my family here. Yeah. Um, my partner, Peter Savolio. <laughs> <laughs> and my two. Yeah, he's the guy who got me drunk a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'll keep it real. I can do that right now. <laughs> One time in 15 years, Peter Savolio. <laughs> Because he spiked his drink. Who does that? <laughs> I'll tell you this story another day. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, it's going to ruin his reputation forever. Um, no, but seriously, I think it's to keep it real because you've got you've got a real conundrum in this industry. Uh, you're in the fitness industry and you do make it to the top mm. and you become this epic force of good in the world yeah. and everybody loves you and tells you how amazing you are. The reality is, though, you're a human first yeah. and humans are flawed and we've got heaps of flaws yeah. and I've got plenty of them. And every human does. Everyone does. Yeah. And, you know, I'm proud of my flaws in all fairness. They're the things that keep me real. So um, it's my family that I go back to. Now, it doesn't have to be your family, but it does have to be that person. I heard someone say to me the other day, another guy in the fitness world, and he said, oh, I go back to my high school buddy, you know. And I said, what do you mean? And he just he just tells me to keep it real. Mm. And again, fitness professional looking to keep it real because our industry forces us to have to be positive. Yeah. You know, your job is to get up in the morning and make fitness easy for people. And that means you've got to put a smile on your face, no matter whether you're working for three, two, one, 12 hours in that day and make fitness happy because a whole heap of people have come in and they've let off to a whole heap of endorphins and they feel great. So you, you spend this whole world being like, it's like, we live, most organisations talk about above and below the line behaviour yeah. and they're trying to get their staff to go Definitely. above. Yeah, yeah. We have all of our staff above the line, <laughs> like mostly like ridiculously above. We need them to go below every now and then or at least accept that there's a below the line stuff um, and accept that our industry comes with highs and lows and it's 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 really tough out there for you guys. It's so tough. So you've got those guys that are, that are right up there and you've got a million people telling you um, that you're amazing or, or you are a personal trainer in a gym right now or, or a gym floor instructor who's just started out in the fitness industry and all of a sudden you've lost a hell of a lot of weight and you're looking pretty damn hot and everybody's telling you again that you're amazing, yeah. you know? So, you know, my, my biggest advice is keep it real, guys, and go back to who you really are. Yeah. At 8, 10, 12 years old, who was that guy? Mm. You know, because that's, that's who you are. Mm. Your values are pretty much defined by the time you're 15. That mm. do, they don't shift much. Our mm. core values are living and breathing within us, no matter mm. what we do. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, so for me, 
my key advice is keep it real and um, just remember. And we'll talk to that a little bit because I think the other thing that happens in an industry, and, and it is something that's, you know, like a lot of people in the industry may get criticised for being egotistical, and um, and there's definitely an aspect of that within the industry. But I think the other thing is is that exercise is so hard for so many people out there yeah. that we get a dis- disproportionate amount of respect for something that's actually quite easy for us. Yeah. You know, like for me, I never struggle to do exercise. Yeah. You know, it might be odd day, I don't go as hard as I could, but, you yeah. know, like I know I'm going to exercise forever. I know the tricks. Yeah. And so it's like, imagine something that you consider really easy and everyone else thinks you're amazing because you do it. Yeah. And it's almost like we, in, in, in our industry, that's what we get. And we also get more because we're put on a pedestal because we are leaders in our industry. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get an unfair amount of respect. Yeah, because it's, it's something that everyone else struggles yeah. in, yeah. and um, and sometimes with that there can become a pressure that you have to make out you're perfect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and with yeah. that, you know, because you know, supermarket trolleys. <laughs> yeah, hello. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, that's to me that's really dangerous. Well, the problem with it, it's actually your imperfection that will allow the connection to yeah, be more authentic exactly. and real. Yeah, everyone like with the show, you know, the most of the feedback I get is because it's real. Yeah, you know, like you know the, yeah. you know. I've done shows that are really revealing of my weakness. Yeah. And and that's actually had more powers than, oh, yeah. Yeah, than when I said I was doing four, seven hours training in a week. You know, people, when I said I was doing seven hours of training in a week, were like, wow, that's really inspiring. That's amazing. Yeah. But it's not real. No. And then when I said, here's my weakness, and, you know, because people do hold you and I up on a pedestal. Yeah. But when I say, hey, I'm human and I have weakness. Yeah then it allows, it's the whole thing you went to before, is yeah. that we allow people to be who they are. Yeah. And we allow them to, you know, we allow them to open up to their own weakness. Yeah. And I think that actually I've found with my own career that the more I am real and, and about my weakness and my strength, I'm, I celebrate my, my good stuff. Yeah. But I also don't hide my struggles. No. That you actually, that's when you yeah. start to have a bigger influence. Yeah, totally. You know, because you allow people to, yeah. to open up. And I think, look, I'll be honest with you, um, I, I, it's... You're so right, Bevy, and I see so many of our guys, especially our young ones, yeah. our young ones just trying so hard to be yeah. perfect, you know, yeah. especially young girls, living up to the expectation of and looking. Leading to dangerous behaviour. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's always been the case, you know. Yeah. It's not like it's just all of a sudden popped out in here, hello, we've got yeah. some stuff here. Um, but now the, you know, and how terrible is this? Um What's what's more unhealthy, the anorexic or the obesity person? You know, that's it's yeah. a, it's a real tough yeah, one. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, both of them come from some stuff we understand because at some level we get we get what they're going through. Yeah. You know, well, like, I just I reflect on my early part of my career. I was very fortunate that I excelled pretty quickly. Yeah, and I remember people coming up to me, literally saying, "You're going to be a star," mm. and I remember just thinking. I'm just bevin, you know, and, yeah. you know, and yeah. and uh, fortunately for me, I didn't really take that stuff on board too much. And um, but a lot of people, you know, you look at young sports stars. I always think, you know, people are so hard on sports stars. Yeah, I know. And they put this because they have these such unrealistic expectations put on them. Yeah, and they're human, and they're young men or yeah. young young females, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and they make life errors, and people are like, I can't believe you made a mistake. And yeah. I don't know. I, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I think it's really important. For you fitness industry people to just, as Mitt says, keep it real, eh? Yeah, keep yeah. it real and go back to what truly matters to you because every now and then that gets lost and, I, and I'm and i speaking from experience there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
Well, I think I've taken enough of your time. Been a pleasure. Because you know what? We'll probably get off this and carry on yeah. talking. <laughs> better, better than I could talk. We were, we, we, we were flying to Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, yeah. We went to Kuala Lumpur about three or four months ago. And we got on a plane in Auckland. It was a 12-hour flight. And we talked non-stop. I don't even think we had a breath. We talked non-stop for 12 need. hours. <laughs> and then and when we arrived in Kuala Lumpur, we talked more. So, yeah. You know what was really interesting? Can we just say this, though? We never ran out of topics. No, we didn't. <laughs> So yeah, she, she's one of my best friends in the world, and I feel very fortunate to have her. And um, I hope you guys got some some insight from it here. And um, I don't know, do you, do do people follow you? Like, do, uh, you know, I have no, to, you're not like me. You're like I'm no. always trying to. Here's my philosophy. <laughs> I know. I actually have to take a leaf out of Bibi's book. And um, well, actually, he inspired me in Facebook. I, I'm really technologically disadvantaged. <laughs> you know, I would be the person that would. Um, that would <laughs> that would dial that phone go round and round and round. Um, I'm still sort of trying to figure out how to get my passwords. Uh, and, but yeah, look, I, I took Bevy's advice when it came to Facebook because I never did Facebook. I was a real late, late adopter to that. And um, now Bevy's my game. You know, he's my game target. He's got about five thousand friends, and um, I wanted five thousand friends, which I did get quite quickly. But I saw the power in it. Like people yeah. were able to um, talk to me, and I always say to people, "Look, I will do. I will absolutely do my best to get back in touch with you if you've yep. got a question about yeah, anything." Right too. Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. Um, I really commit to that sort of stuff. So I, I guess, look, I'm on Facebook at the moment. Um, if you would like to hear more of me, I guess I could try and step out of my comfort zone and learn about technology and stuff. <laughs> Five years from now, she may have a podcast. <laughs> What's a podcast? <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, mate, because I, you know, it's been a long day and uh, it's been a pretty big weekend for us and it's now 8 o'clock at night and everyone else is having cocktails. So um, <laughs> thanks for coming along. And, my pleasure. And, and, and uh, from the bottom of my heart, you know, you're, you're a great friend and, yeah, uh, and I, I really you, respect baby. your work. So. Yeah. Uh, look, I have to be honest, baby, I mean this and we're not going to look into each other's eyes because that'll be just <laughs> awkward. But, I'm so uh, <laughs> But nah, um, like, I, I, you know, some people come into your life and Ben and James Isles has absolutely made the biggest impact on mine. And um, you guys, I'm actually speaking to the converted, so thank you for being my best friend too. Oh, Love you heaps. Yeah, right, guys, well, um, yeah, thanks, Mid. See you guys later. Right, guys, I hope you kind of enjoyed my, my interview with Mid, and hopefully you got some insight out of that, and you saw that, I don't know, maybe just where Mid comes from as a place, and hopefully you got some insight into... I know some stuff you can take into your own world around fitness and for those people out there who are fitness professionals you know I think the most important message that I always get from mid and and those other people who really influence me in the industry is where do they start from you know how do they look at the world and how can they use fitness as a way to empower other people in the world and uh, when you look at mid she she looks at how do I develop the person how do I develop the soul of somebody out there and um, and and I think that you know as you're going in your own journey in your fitness industry, just to really think about that stuff. You know, what is the core foundation message that I really believe in? That I really want to stand on top of as I progress throughout my career. 
Um, I could go down a real massive tangent here. I'm not going to because it's already been an hour and, and I'm in New York and I got, <laughs> I'm on holiday. So I got things I'm going to do. I'm not going to read any emails this month just because literally I am on holiday and I'm kind of rushing to get this out there. So I'm a couple of days behind. So um, I'll, I'll catch up on some of the emails I've been sent through in next month's show. I'll just do a quick book update. I've been a published, I've been approached by a couple publishers actually, um, which is very exciting. And I've been sending through my kind of proposal to a couple of the publishers and uh, kind of I haven't been back yet. I kind of sent a couple out this week and so I'll be interested to see how that goes. And I'm really excited just by this whole process and uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this book, but I'm very, very excited and I'm getting so many messages from uh, from you guys and from people who read my blog and, and from people within you know, who know me from within the fitness industry, just saying they're really excited to see, you know, what the book's about. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I kind of figure, realistically, it's probably not going to be released until very late this year, maybe even early next year. Just, I, I'm not quite sure of the route that it's going to take and when we figure out what route it's going to take, what the processes of getting it to market. So, um, well, you know, as soon as I know, you guys will know for sure. So look out for that, you know, within the next kind of, you know, four to six months, this book should be out there for you guys to get hold of and, and maybe share it with your friends and family. Anyway, I'm going to, um, I'm really excited about this next couple of weeks. I've just, my partner Joe and I, we had, it was very interesting leading into a holiday period. When you work, when you've got a business owner and you're kind of self-employed and, and you know, a content creator, you, you always have to be having output. And if you want to have a holiday, you realistically have to work for all the work that you're going to do on holiday before you go. So for the month leading up to this holiday, um, I pretty much did two months' work, or probably three months' work, really, and uh, so it was a very hectic time. But now we kind of get the benefits of that, where we're relaxing and having a really good time in New York. We're off to Las Vegas for four days, and then we're going to spend a few days in San Francisco. Uh, I'm going to catch up with a friend called Albert, and also when I'm in San Fran, I'm going to go watch the America's Cup yachting. So lots to look forward to. Um, we'll be back next month. We'll be back next month with another show, and I've already started to put some work into next month's show because I've got a topic which. Um, yeah, I think I think will be very very interesting, and uh, hopefully will add more to your arsenal of being successful with fitness. So, once again, thanks for your time. I'll see you guys next month, and get out there, keep on rocking, and we'll see you guys real soon.